You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Today is Friday, March 5th, and this is Celtics Beat on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider of audio-video coverage of the Boston Celtics. I'm Adam Kaufman. Episode 398 featuring Sports Illustrated's Chris Mannix is powered by BetOnline.ag. Go to BetOnline.ag today and use the promo code CLNS50 for a 50% bonus when you sign up. What's up, everybody? Welcome back into another new edition of Celtics Beat. We are back, and maybe, just maybe, so are the Celtics. It was just uh, despair, doom, and gloom last time we chatted. Maybe, with help from Gary Washburn, we sent things in the right direction. Four straight wins to take the season to the All-Star break. It's where we are now, a couple of days away from that midseason classic in Atlanta. Plenty to get to there. I'm Adam Kaufman. Of course, you know Evan Valenti, our producer. And his triumphant return, it's been a while. We've missed you. Chris Mannix, how are you, man? I'm good, man. How you doing? Good. I'm glad that you were able to uh, put aside your, uh, I'm sure, very coveted spot in line at Top Shot to do this show. You know, maybe it is a sign of aging, but I can't think of anything more dumb than Top Shot. I just, I can't. To, to be paying actual money for videos that I can just, you know, quickly look up on YouTube I to claim ownership of them or or whatever it is. I don't like I was a big baseball card collector back in the day, Same. but but like those were tangible physical things yep. that I still have somewhere in my parents basement, a video clip. I don't I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but I don't uh, I don't get it. Yeah, it, it really is amazing. The amount of money that is being sent around online for these digital moments, obviously, and people that believe this is just the the next wave of of collecting and especially card collecting and the, you know, the partnership that clearly exists between the NBA and top shots. That's, I mean, that's a big feather in in people's cap in terms of giving this thing legitimacy, but I'm with you. And, and again, maybe it's an age thing. Maybe it's not because Evan's considerably younger than both of us, but I just, I, as someone who grew up collecting cards, I like to hold cards and read the stats on the back and trade them with buddies and, you know, put them in my little holders and sleeves and binders or whatever. And, and just have them. I, I was never in it, I guess, just for the profitability, which is that seems to be the wave right here with this thing. People are just well, looking to flip them and make money. Didn't they do this with like pictures of cats years ago? Wasn't that a thing? Like, Maybe, I, I, mean, I don't remember. I'm in the cat trading card business, Chris. I can't. I, no, I can't. but it, you know, it was like digital clips of cats. It was like, you know, you could buy weird looking cats of some kind. I, I don't know. Like, that was another fad that just <laughs> fizzled out and. Uh, look again, maybe I'm wrong, but this is kind of one that uh, I don't. I, I just, I just can't see it. Yeah, I don't well, get it either. It's just 
you have like with the actual physical card that those eventually run out right like the hannes wagner baseball card the most famous baseball card in existence right there mm-hmm. are only so many of those left these clips live on forever on youtube i mean what are we talking about here i just don't i just don't understand it i mean look if you're gonna make money good good for you like congratulations like i just I, if you pay actual legitimate money for that i think you're an idiot so yeah well, I- well- Look at it this way, I guess. If if uh, if in fact we are behind the curve, we are collectively all three of us behind the curve, and uh, everyone else is out there making some money. But uh, fortunately, just to bring it to obviously the the topic at hand, the Boston Celtics, you know, going from behind the curve, behind the eight ball, behind the whatever they were, just you know, really difficult to watch, not fun at all. Things have flipped just a little bit. I'm not going to sit here and say everything is fixed. Everything is awesome. Uh, but, you know, you go from that 7-14 and 14 stretch and a lot of guys missing time injuries. Marcus Smart is still out until who knows how long. Should return sometime here shortly after the break. We hope that is what, you know, direction he is trending in. But the four straight wins and everyone staying on the same page, that, that seems to be the big thing that has been talked about by the players, by Brad Stevens. It's, you know, this was such an easy time where people could have pulled apart from one, one another and, and all the adversity and, and all the noise and everything on the outside. We've come together. It's made us closer. It's made us stronger. A lot of that stuff is cliche, Chris. We know that. We've he- heard it for years in these same similar situations. But nevertheless, are you a believer this team is now on the right track or is this just a good little run here into the break? No, I, I think they've righted the ship to a degree um, they were never as bad as they looked at their very worst in the last couple of weeks, but they're not as good as they have looked at different points earlier in the season. Uh, I-, I thought from talking to people in the organization about what was going wrong during that tough stretch, it was a lot of kind of rock rolling down the mountain where you know some guys were down and you just couldn't pick them up. You couldn't get them to believe again even the guys in the locker room that did believe they were better than they thought. So I think there was just some negative momentum that this team got caught up in. And however it happened, whether it's, you know, Jeff Teague playing with more aggression, Robert Williams stepping up and playing uh, a bigger role, uh, they seem to have corrected things a little bit. Now, look, they still have flaws that can, you know, cause them to go into another spiral. They, they still are over-reliant on unproven players. Marcus Smart is still out, and we're not exactly sure when he's coming back. And those are issues. Those are, are lingering issues that are going to cause you to lose some games. But I think the negative momentum that they got wrapped up in, they've reversed that. And that's at least a, a positive step in the right direction going into the break. Yeah, I, it, the thing with me about the Celtics team, you talk about, reliance on on guys like you know Shemi Ojale and, and Grant Williams and all that stuff and I, I we've talked about that over the past couple of weeks that their roster is not ideal right now they're relying a lot on Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown the one my big concern you know in, in, in echoes last night in a game against Toronto right they give up what 70 points in the first half to, to a very depleted Toronto squad Toronto had what 21 threes in that game it's a very losable game for Boston lucky to somehow find a way to win that to Jason Tatum it's some big shots down the stretch I Chris I you know the the offense has been great and I think I saw somewhere this morning where Boston in their four game win streak has like the highest offensive rating 
in that four-game stretch of any team in the NBA, which is a really, 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 really small sample size, so don't get too excited about that. But I still have problems with this team defensively, and and, and that's, you know, you go back to, you know, all the, all the good that you can feel with this team finally right in the ship, but I still see a, a big problem here with you have a team that if, if Kemba or Jalen or Jason's not feeling it that night, you know, you're going to be in some big trouble because the other team's going to put a lot of points on you. Yeah, I, I think that's fair, and – Look, I, I, their defense has always kind of perplexed me, right? Like, I could understand how they were good, you know, two or three years ago when Al Horford was there, and he's a really good defensive player. Aaron Baines clearly fit into the system. But then, you know, last year they maintained their place in the top ten with, like, Ennis Cantor out there for big minutes. So I was I could never really figure out how they were always so good defensively. I think what they lack this year defensively and maybe the the development of Robert Williams in the second half will 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 address that but they lack some versatility there like Tristan Thompson is a very good on-ball defender at least he has been a very good on-ball defender versatility is not really his thing like you know switching out and going three positions and 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 playing the kind of way Boston big men have played in recent years and when you you know, throw something new into a system that's been running one way for a while that can have some damaging effects. I think that's affected their defense. Now they, they, you know, without Marcus Smart, you lose your best on ball defender. Your defense is going to suffer, but Kemba has always been a subpar defender. Uh, Jalen and Jason are very good, but you've got young guys coming off the bench, whether it's Peyton Pritchard or whomever, uh, who are, are you know, average at best defenders. So you're not able to throw top flight defensive guys at teams these days and uh, that's something I think it's going to need to be addressed whether it's via trade or or something else some guy at the buyout deadline because I don't know if this team I know this team's not as strong defensively as they've been in recent years we'll get into potential additions and obviously that TPE and the stuff that people really want to talk about and shortly before this show uh, started here you have the Blake Griffin news he is a free agent at least as of this moment the buyout with the Pistons so we can get into all that but just both of you have mentioned Robert Williams and uh, Chris, if you don't know, certainly listeners of this program do me, Evan, I mean, very high and have been for years on the Robert Williams, uh, you know, fan club, uh, you just want to see this guy get more of an opportunity. You see the flashes, you see the signs. It looks like we are seeing him grow into uh, a foundational piece, you know, a guy that, you know, by no means is he untouchable in a trade or something crazy like that, but he is a guy who projects to, you know, really be a, a, a potential cornerstone to this team's future, along with the obvious guys like the all-stars and Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. Maybe there are a couple others there as well, but for Williams, are you high on this guy's ceiling? Would you like to see him playing out there more, you know, 25 minutes a game versus closer to 16, 17, we are trending in that direction or, do you see the injury concerns and some of the reasons that he has been limited as something that's just going to forever keep his minutes down, at least in the short term? Well, when he's healthy, absolutely. I'd like to see him out there playing 25 plus minutes a game. I I've thought for the last couple of years, as you watched him start to show those flashes, you're talking about that there was, I mean, there's real Deandre Jordan, Clint Capella type potential in Robert Williams, a, you know, floor running shot blocking, big man, that can just terrorize teams defensively. And that's obviously still there. We've seen that over the last week and a half, uh, 10 days. It's just the injuries are the obvious thing. You got to stay on the floor, but consistency and not making those occasional knucklehead plays, which, you know, sometimes they're occasional, sometimes they're not. 
uh, that's uh, th- that's something that Robert Williams has to continue to address because as you get into the playoffs, you need guys that can play as close to mistake-free basketball as you can, and that might make a Tristan Thompson more reliable or a smaller lineup more reliable. If Robert Williams can show that he's able to play, you know that. It, you know, close to mistake-free ball. Like he, I think he's going to be a major factor for this team beginning in the second half of the season and going into the playoffs. Yeah, I asked the question uh, to the Twitter sphere a while ago, um, a couple of days ago, and I just basically asked, you know, Rob Williams is the best lob threat Boston's had since blank. And I got a lot of great responses. Even Bob Ryan chimed in with Bill Russell, which I thought was was interesting. But, you know, you have a, a guy here in Rob who's, who's – now starting to really get comfortable, especially on the offensive side of the floor. And I, I love the fact that now, like, again, you watched the game last night against Toronto. I know it's only one game. Mm. You, you can see the lob threat and what that does, not only for Rob, but for the guards as well, right? Because now the, the lob thing has been happening over the past couple of you know, weeks, and Toronto makes a, a little bit of a defensive adjustment to that where they have guys stick to Rob a little bit more, which gives a guy like Jason Tatum or Peyton Pritchard, Jeff Teague or Kemba Walker a little more daylight when trying to get to the basket, right to, to, to get to the rim. So, you know, you look at developing that. And I got a, a little bit of a back and forth with Bob Ryan about this. And, and my point was, if this is the first guy Boston's had like this in 60 years, it is something that would it would behoove them to develop that guy as quickly as humanly possible to just have that skill set as ready to go as they possibly can as we get towards the playoffs here. And look, again, Rob's going to do some bonehead stuff throughout every single basketball game. It's just the part of the growing pains, right? He's like a baby deer out there sometimes. But you can see the upside. The upside is a guy that can switch a little bit defensively, can really alter you know, a lot of wing guys' airspace. I mean, you saw the, the the block on Mann the other night. You saw the block mm-hmm. on Brandon Ingram back in New Orleans where, you know, he, you know, Rob Sykes off him to take away the drive, then, you know, can recover in quick enough time with his length to block a shot of the three-point line. I mean, there's nobody – Rob has a skill set that nobody on the Celtics has. And if they can develop that to be a serviceable rotation player by the time we hit the playoffs – you're talking about a different Boston Celtics team, especially if Kemba Walker is going to be the guy we've seen the past couple of games. Yeah, and the block and finish I like the most from the Toronto game was the one on Kyle Lowry. I think it was in the first half where Rob beats everyone back down the floor and caught a lob in transition. That's the kind of play that exemplified what you want from him. Somebody that can create havoc and you know doesn't just take forever to get back down the floor. I mean, that, that was a pretty impressive play. I mean, you're right. The knucklehead stuff still happens, but again, it's, it's about minimizing it because you do want him on the floor for all the reasons you outlay. That's why I kind of mentioned DeAndre Jordan. I mean, DeAndre Jordan was a very limited, still is, but was, was especially a very limited offensive player in his time in uh, LA, but he was able to be a double digit scorer because he caught so many lobs because he had Chris Paul just firing him up there for him. Every time they ran screen and roll, I mean, you're not going to tell me that DeAndre Jordan was had a more advanced offensive skill set than Robert Williams. It just it doesn't exist. So all Robert Williams has to do is stay out of foul trouble, you know, try to be as disciplined as possible, set good screens, and then just roll off him. And he's going to get 8, 10, 12 points per game if he's playing 30-plus minutes off plays just like that and create that wrinkle that you're talking about defensively that's going to give teams something else to worry about with this group. So, yeah, he's a he's a vital part of what this team hopes to do in the second half. Celtics right now are narrowly above 500 because, again, that long 
skid that they had going on. And, you know, we're basically at the midpoint of the season again, the all-star break. And this is a club that I think that it's ceiling in the past has been uh, maybe a little inflated just because it is contended to a point, right? It's reached the conference finals three out of the last four years, but even this is something, you know, we were harping on each of our last couple of shows, the last couple of weeks that, you know, even if they had as many people thought they should have beaten Miami last year, the Celtics certainly weren't going to knock off the Lakers, you know? So it, it depends on, sort of the semantics of, of uh, how don't 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 this. tell them that don't tell them that because well, that's they, fine, but, they, but I, they believe they could they had a better matchup with the lakers than uh than anyone well i believe they had a better matchup than miami i do believe yeah. that but i don't believe they were going to come out of that series with a victory now they should believe that they're going to that's great but i think most of us watch and maybe you agree and see that okay there's still a gap there you know there's still a gap obviously between the the LeBron and AD led Lakers versus where the Celtics even were last year versus where they are right now and they're not right now where they were at the end of last year I think most people agree with that and so it becomes that question of again the TPE and you know is it going to get used in the next few weeks before the trade deadline is it going to push off until obviously the off season is it ever going to get used because we know historically these things a lot of the time don't and some of the names that are attached right now just in rumors you've got Harrison Barnes, who a lot of people cover the covet. There's Jeremy Grant. There's obviously Vooch in Orlando, who people keep coming back to. I bring him up all the time. And, uh, you know, now not a TPE situation, but obviously Blake Griffin, who's, you know, entering the buyout market and he'll be a free agent and more likely go to a more of a true contender versus where the C's are right now. How do you see all of this playing out? Is Does there need to be an urgency to use that TPE this season? Or do you think it's, it's as has been hinted at by Danny, by Wick, by others, this thing is going to get pushed off? Well, look, it's, you have to look at it from a few different angles. One, it's, it's definitely true that the TPE, which I believe will expire sometime in September, will have a value in the offseason. Because you can make a trade and you can, you never know what teams are going to want to do after their season ends. There could be a better player available. All that being said, one thing I, I look at with this group is that while they are young with a lot of upside over the next five or six years, what Brooklyn's going to become scares me a little bit. Like the Nets, this might be the year you get the Nets. Otherwise, the next three years, you could be running into a buzzsaw of a team with Kyrie, James Harden, Kevin Durant, and everybody that wants to play with them. Like you think that, you know, New York City, Durant, Harden, Irving, if they're going to be role players flocking there because not only can you contend for a championship, but you can have a real role with that team. Like mm-hmm. they, they've basically got average guys you know, outside of Joe Harris at those other positions, you know, whether it's center or one of the other guard spots. I mean, for a while, they were quite literally signing guys off the street, whether it was Andre Roberson <laughs> or Iman Shumpert and, and others. So, you know, they're still trying to figure it out this year. That's why using the TPE to get something that helps you now could give you your best opportunity to get to the finals over the next, you know, two or three years. I'm just, I'm just of the belief that if you're going to catch Brooklyn, this is the year you're going to have to do it because next year, you have another year with this group. I, I fully believe Kyrie and Kevin Durant will sign up long term after their contracts expire. It just, they, they become a really, really dangerous team over that next four or five years, which is the window that Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown are in with this Celtics team. So I'd be proactive. All the names you mentioned, I think are, are possibilities. 
I've written this and I'd still do it. It wouldn't be my first choice, but I would go and get Al Horford back if that was possible. I know Oklahoma City is willing to deal him for not minimal return, but uh, you know, not an outstanding price. You can fit him in the TPE. You can include Tristan Thompson because of the hard cap issues. And we know that Al Horford can help this team. Like we know it. We know what he does with this you know, literal group of players and the system that they play in. So I, like, I would have urgency to go and use that TPE. I'm not convinced that the Celtics front office and ownership has the same sense of urgency. Should they? This is something we, we talked a lot about last week with Gary Washburn, the fact that it's, it's funny how when you talk about the Celtics, there's, they almost get criticized for, being, for their level of loyalty, right? You know, oftentimes in sports, we, we talk about the lack of loyalty being a problem. Well, with the Celtics, there's no lack of loyalty from ownership to management to the coaches in terms of obviously Danny Ainge and Brad Stevens. They're locked up long-term. They're not going anywhere. Neither of these guys has any fear for their jobs. And I'm not even saying they should or that, you know, I'm, I'm calling for their, their heads or anything like that. Although, obviously, we've explored the idea of just inserting some new voices in there just to, you know, not have Danny or have all the same guys around him that are, you know, like-minded, you know, maybe you do need a, a different voice and a different voice, maybe a veteran player other than an Evan Turner on that coaching staff. But it, I, I do think, I do think you need, I do think you need that. I know Gary said this to you a while back, but I think that's a hundred percent true. I mean, when they lost Walter McCarty, that was a pretty strong voice. Someone that would yeah. get in guys faces in that locker room. Evan Turner. I mean, Evan Turner is, uh, a very, uh, you know, he's a very smart guy and I think could be a good coach. But at this point, I think Evan Turner still fancies himself a player in a way. Like mm. he's, you know, that close to, to being uh, a regular player made a whole bunch of money. I, I do think you, you need that voice like that. That has to be priority number one in the offseason when you're addressing the coaching staff. But in my, uh, well, in my blabbering fashion, to circle back to the main point, does it, is it a problem that it doesn't seem like, as you alluded to, there's, there is that urgency. Like, does that urgency need to exist? Does, does, does Danny need to be a little more fearful for, for his, you know, longtime reign in Boston? Not fearful. No, because, you know, he won a championship in the two thousands. He orchestrated the trade of the century in the 2010s. And now here we are in 2020 in this decade. And I think he's got a lot of, a lot of leash to, to figure things out. I do think to, touch on something you said there, they have been way too loyal and way too protective of some of these assets. I mean, we may never know exactly what happened with the Gordon Hayward situation, but everything I was told was that Indiana was willing to part with some key pieces headlined by Miles Turner, who this year is a candidate for defensive player of the year, mm-hmm. and that Gordon Hayward and his family wanted to go and play in Indiana. So I'm of the belief that a deal like that could have been worked out. The Celtics overplayed their hands uh, a little bit. And that, you know, that could turn out to be fatal for this season to, to you know, let perfect be the enemy of good. Like maybe you couldn't get exactly what you wanted, but something is better than nothing, especially as you watch this team and you see how, how they play without Gordon Hayward of that mix. Now they do have the trade exception that could turn into something substantial, that six months from now, we're talking about them being geniuses for, for making that move. But right now, hell, I'd take Miles Turner. I'd take Doug McDermott. Both those guys would be playing significant roles for this team. Uh, yeah, that, that, you know, that is, it's hard to look at the unwillingness to make that deal 
as anything but a mistake. And it shows that maybe there isn't that sense of urgency uh, with this team to win right away. And maybe they should though, because you said we go back to the Brooklyn thing. They're, they're going to be a force to reckon for a while. Look at what's going on in Philadelphia right now. Yep. Joel Embiid, you know, look, if his, everybody's health is always going to be a question mark, right? Whether it's Durant, whether it's Kyrie, those guys have been banged up. Embiid has always had an injury history, but you know, when Embiid's healthy and engaged like he is right now, he's literally unstoppable. There's nobody in the NBA that can stop that guy from scoring 30 a game, right? And they have another defensive player of the year candidate on their roster is in Ben Simmons. Tobias Harris has regained. So there has to be a little bit, but you also have to find the right player like that Harrison Barnes wing score that they need desperately um, is, is an interesting piece. You know, Vucevic is an interesting piece. You know, the Aaron Gordon, uh, you know, rumors that were flying around is another interesting piece. The one thing that they have to be you know mindful of is, you know, th- do they want to have a stopgap this year or sign someone long term? And then all of a sudden you got to start saying bye to some other pieces. I mean, some some people have mentioned the John Collins thing. But people that are smarter than me at the salary cap are like, well, if you're going to you know, try and trade for John Collins, then get ready to say bye to somebody you really, really like, like a Marcus Smart, because that that he's not going to be cheap. So as much as people want to be, you know, use that TPE, use it, it's it's not as simple as that, right? There are actual economics and math that has to be had. And this is where Mike Zarin comes into play as a guy that, that not only understands the cap this year, but, you know, a decade from now, Zarin's got it on lockdown. So it's just – it's – it's tricky. And, and you hear the fact that, you know, people are, are getting sort of, you know, a little uh, anxious about what Boston will do, but this is a really tough place to be. You know, Danny could have done a number of things to improve this team, but he has helped, as you said, maybe to a fault, but a little bit too loyal to some of his guys. And now here you are, Kyrie left, Al left, Gordon left, not too many more chips to play if you're Danny. So you really, this TPE is like the one last shot to have to get this right. And, you know, it, to, to hear that they might not use it until the offseason where more guys are. Because the only problem, like Chris, the problem that I have right now is who the hell is going to be a seller here? I mean, the Jeremy Grant thing is 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 great, but, like, he, we just spent a whole summer hearing how Jeremy Grant only wanted to play for a black head coach, the black GM, and be the number one guy in a new city. Guess what? He's got that in Detroit, would not have that in, in Boston at all. Um, and it, So you, there are, like, what, three sellers right now maybe? Detroit's going to be one. You know Oklahoma City's going to be one. Sacramento's hanging around. Minnesota is going nowhere. So I, I just, there, you look at the landscape and I don't really even know who's available, Chris. I, I, it's just too many convoluted teams hanging around the same, you know, place in the standings. And now that you have playing games, I mean, there's just, there's no separation to, to really pinpoint who the real sellers are. No, there's not. Um, you can point to Orlando, which I think does want to get off their bigger salaries, though, your earlier point, they're not just looking to give Vucevic away either. And even Aaron Gordon, they'll want something back in return. Atlanta, you know, while Collins and Capel hasn't really worked, they're asking for a lot in trade packages for him. Uh, the only guys you can really get for the TPE and a draft pick are, you know, from teams that are going in different directions. That's why I bring up Al Horford in Oklahoma City and I brought up J.J. Redick in New Orleans. These guys are not you know, going to be your first, second, maybe even third options, but they absolutely can be fourth or fifth and help you make a run this year. I mean, the last thing you want to do is get into the off season and look around and realize that either A, there's nothing on the table for you, or B, you're going to make the same deal you could have made the trade deadline and maybe helped you during this season. So look, it's, it's not 
it's complicated. It's it's chess, not checkers out there. These GMs are trying to play, but I think at this point, being proactive, being aggressive, trying to do anything to fit a player into that TPE this year, um, it has to be considered a priority. I mean, I keep going back to Horford. I mean, are people watching Horford in Oklahoma City? He's been playing great basketball yeah, as of late. He, he kind of looks like, the, like it didn't work in Philadelphia, and that was largely because he went there thinking he was going to be a great power forward, and that didn't work. Now he's back as the full-time center in Oklahoma City, and he's been great. He has been shooting the three a lot better. He's been facilitating. I think his assists are up you know, above their usual average uh, for, for any time in his career. His scoring numbers are the highest events at Atlanta. I mean, the contract that looks so awful is now basically obsolete because you lost a year and a half on it. I don't like that to me would be like an easy move to make that would make you substantially better right away. I don't understand why that isn't at least a fallback option for this team. Maybe it is. Maybe you got to wait till March 25th, but I think that should be a fallback. To put a bow on this part of the conversation anyway, just Blake Griffin. Uh, Again, you know, Mark Stein has already attached him on Twitter, at least teams with interest. Won't surprise anyone. The Lakers, the Clippers, the Nets, the Heat, the Warriors, among those that have expressed interest in Griffin. Celtics not listed. Maybe they're interested. Maybe they're not. Honestly, I don't know. The bigger question is, do we even think Blake would come to Boston? Celtics fans are going to do their thing on social media. It's always the way, you know, that's we're we're all going to be asked about it a thousand times. I don't think there's any shot at him coming to Boston. I don't think he wants to. Uh, and I think there, it's more likely he's going to choose a team, as mentioned earlier. It's just closer to contending this season. I assume you agree with that? Yeah, I, I've actually even been told that Boston's not on his list. Um, I think the two L.A. teams, Brooklyn and Miami, are the front runners. Miami uh, gives him, I think, more of an opportunity to play Um you know, the Heat, of course, lost Myers Leonard. They're one, one big man down. You know, they've got Kelly Olinick as a floor spacer. Griffin could kind of compliment that. He's not, he's certainly not a floor spacer anymore. Not, not a very good one, but I think that Miami is kind of a dark horse in that mix. It, you know, there, there are just too many teams that want Blake Griffin that offer more things. And if you're Blake Griffin and you're probably walking away with like a $60 million check to cover the rest of this season and next, you don't give a damn about money right now. So you're playing for the minimum and just choosing the best situation. And I I don't believe Boston will be uh, in the running. Let's take a quick break. Tell you about our friends at bet online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football of course is over NBA about halfway through the season, college basketball, NHL, both in full swing. You got March madness on the way coming up real soon. NBA title odds, the Lakers plus two eighty five to repeat as champions. Shouldn't surprise you. The nets, that potential buzzsaw might come sooner than later. Plus 300. If you want to lay a little action there, the Clippers, Led by Kawhi and George, plus 550. The Jazz, don't forget about them. No superstars necessarily. All due respect to Donovan Mitchell, but plus 700. The Bucks, Giannis, plus 800. The Sixers, plus 1100. And the Celtics, long odds, plus 2500 if you're feeling good at 25 to 1. Bet Online even covers awards, TV shows, reality TV, real time updated odds, props on almost anything that you can imagine. Bet Online has you covered for all that news, scores, odds, everything else best way to place your bets and it's free to sign up head over to the website use your mobile device to sign up today receive a 50 percent welcome bonus on your first deposit bet online your online sportsbook experts again do not sit on the sidelines anymore 
Get in on the action. Don't forget, use that promo code CLNS50 to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. So, Chris, we'll uh, let you go on this. The All-Star Game is this weekend, and it's it's become my favorite midseason Celtics talking head argument that uh, it, it's really started a few years ago, and it just it's annual at this point in time. Should these guys play in the All-Star Game? First, it was Kyrie Irving, and then it's Kemba Walker, and now, obviously, you've got Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. Brad Stevens was asked about it and said what he's always said, which is what you expect him to say, which is, nah, it's one game in the middle of a week. You know, it's, they'll, they'll barely work up a sweat, no big deal. Now, if a lot of us you know, had, had our druthers, maybe uh, Tatum, who is still clearly recovering, at least on the floor from the effects of COVID. And, you know, he has himself said that his breathing has been out of whack. So he is not back to 100% Jason Tatum. In fact, by his standards, you know, he hasn't been a bad player by any stretch, but by his standards, he has been off the last few, you know, 20 games or so he is not nearly shot with the success rate that he did prior to that diagnosis. And then obviously Jalen Brown with the knee tendonitis, you know, it's his native Atlanta. That's fine. You know, go and, and be part of the festivities, take point in the part in the three point shootout, you know, because that's, there's no wear and tear there, but skip the game sit. I mean, that would be in, in a perfect world. That's how I would like to see this play out, but it's not a perfect world and it's a player's league and nobody's going to tell these guys not to play. So is this just one of those things where people need to get over it, accept it. And, you know, not, not bitch and moan about the fact that, Oh my God, these guys are playing in an all-star game. Yeah. I'm, I go back and forth on, the all-star game and whether guys should play because it is, you know, multi-layered this year with the pandemic and should guys be going down there traveling, all that stuff. Uh, I don't have a huge issue physically with Tatum and Brown going down there. They're not going to expend any real energy. And because of, you know, the COVID restrictions, they'll basically be there for 48 hours. And I I have found, and, and players have said this in the past that, you get something out of that if you're a young player being around other greats. You know, Jalen Brown's obviously never been there before as a player. Uh, Tatum, he's getting another crack. Uh, I, I get, you know, I think they will gain something from that experience that will help them in the second half of the season uh, and beyond. And look, from a, a COVID safety perspective, they're probably a lot safer being a part of this. I mean, the NBA is going to keep them in the basic protocols. Now, the NBA says other players are going to be testing during their time off. I mean, good luck with that. Like, good luck getting guys going on vacation to, you know, spit in a cup and FedEx it back to wherever you're sending it to. I'm I'm highly skeptical that's going to happen. So I think they're probably safer from the pandemic being part of All-Star Weekend. I'm just, uh, like like any Celtic fan, you'd, you're, you're hoping that it's a nice, easy 15 minutes that the both of them play uh, in this game, and then they're sitting on the bench uh, in the fourth quarter, getting their rest. And if that if that's how it plays out, uh, I don't think there'll be any lingering issues. Well, I think that's why people are so alarmed. Is that's what people were hoping for with Kemba last year, and then he goes and plays almost forty minutes, and then he's yeah for the rest, you know, for the last year. Yeah, that's that. That's why I say go go fifteen, and then let somebody else uh, go out there and play. So yeah, we don't want uh, you know we don't want a, a rekindling of that experience. Well, we really appreciate you hopping on with us. We'll uh, continue on with the show. We'll let you hop off. But uh, thanks for being with us. Let's do it again soon. Anytime. All right. Chris Mannix, Sports Illustrated. Again, awesome having him with us. And uh, Evan, obviously, a lot of great stuff there. Do you uh, – I'll I'll let you circle back to some of what Chris was talking about. 
would you like to go down the Al Horford road again? Does that make sense to you? Well, the Al Horford thing is a way to kick the can down the road too, because you can get, you know, Al Horford's contract becomes more tradable next season as a partially guaranteed deal. Um, so you can maybe generate another TP out of that. I know people are like, they love the fact that you can generate TPs and, yeah. you know, uh, find a way to our new favorite pastime. Right. But I mean, Al's skill set is, you know, somewhat perfect for what this team needs in terms of, you know, some size. They could always use a guy that could switch defensively a guy that moves the ball. Like Al does. I mean, you could see it, you know, this team at times struggles to move the basketball, um, and when Al's in the floor, that doesn't happen. I mean, I'm, you know, he, you know, averaged close to, I think, five assists per game. You know, his pretty much his entire Celtics tenure. He knows the system, as, as Chris said. It'd be a, a worthwhile uh, look. It, the, the, the problem would be, I think, in my opinion, is I don't think he helps you win a championship this year. I just don't. Um, I don't think he helps you win a championship next year. Um, and if you bring him in, um, you know, you're, you're, potentially using that roster spot or that money uh, in, in like, you know, might not find another trade partner for Al Horford to, to generate another TPE. So, I mean, again, I love Al, trust me. Uh, I was one of the biggest Al defenders when, you know, Lou Merloni and Christian Fourier and everybody at mm-hmm. WEI was going and, and, and Mads are all going after him for his lack of production. Um, I've always been a staunch Al defender. I love Al Horford to death. I just, I have a hard time selling myself on like Al Horford's going to be the big addition. It's like, no, we already saw that. And he's a couple years older now, um, despite having a great year. And, and I'm not saying he's not having a great year and, and it won't cost a whole lot to get him, which is the other part of this whole equation. So I don't get too fired up about the Al Horford addition. I really don't. I just think they're, you know, I would almost rather use it in the off season when you have a little bit clearer picture, who's going to be available. Um, you know, the Harrison Barnes thing, I think is everybody's number one. I mean, you know, we had Scal talk about it last night after the broadcast, after the game with, with uh, Abby and with Chris about how that's where Danny really wants to go. We were only hearing about Jeremy Grant and Nikola Vucevic to, to steer everybody away from the fact that they really want Harrison Barnes. Again, I love Al. I just don't think it's, it's really where they need to go to really be a true champion contender. Cause again, I'm with Chris that unless Brooklyn gets hurt, that's a really, really tough team to beat. I certainly agree with what Chris said about, you know, if you're, if you're looking to catch the nets, this might be the time to do it because to his point, you know, we, we saw it to some degree in Boston years back. Obviously we've seen it with any LeBron team, whether it's the Lakers, the Cavs, the heat, you know, stars, or, or at least, you know, those are who are kind of on the back end or, or haven't won a ring and, and are just willing to go for cheap are going to flock to Brooklyn. No doubt about it. I mean, they are going to, add to that mix more so than what they've got going on this year no question but even that in mind and clearly in listening to Chris he doesn't feel this way but for me if it's between you know it's one thing if you're talking about Vooch Barnes Grant guys like that maybe someone we haven't even talked about like that's a whole other conversation but if you tell me all right you can use the TPE now on Horford or Reddick versus going into the offseason with uncertainty but obviously you're kind of punting on this year to some degree, you know, and, and punting in the sense that at least you're, you know, you're just hoping the team finds the right momentum, the right mix. Kemba's healthy. Others are healthy. You know, Jalen, Jason, they stay on the floor and maybe you can make a run. Maybe it's exciting. If you say to me, it's between going after one of those two guys right now, get them this year. They're in, they help you for the playoffs versus waiting to the off season and using the TP, then hopefully on somebody better. I'd wait. 
I really would. I'd the wait. The question is, who's, so who are we waiting for here? Like, who are the Celtics waiting for? Well, maybe you're waiting on one of those three guys that we just mentioned. I mean, who's to say that any of those three do get dealt this year? To your point, right. you know, there aren't going to be a lot of sellers out there, right. at least right now. Yeah, we, we will know. I'll have a, we'll have a clearer picture in, like, two weeks when we get right. there. But, yeah, those guys could still be available. I mean, you know, it, it just feels inevitable at some point that Carl Anthony Towns is going to ask out. Now, I don't think that – the Celtics can really entertain that. I think he makes a little bit too much money. I don't know. Anybody that's a cap expert out there, there are plenty of you. Well, and, to, to that point, though, that. and this is something we didn't really talk about with Chris, and I, I thought about it. I just didn't, in the interest of time, I didn't yeah. want to go down this road. But right. the hard cap issue, which is something that obviously Wick has brought up, Danny's brought up, you know, others have, you know, cap people have brought up. You know, you can only bring in a guy right now who earns around, you know, 20 million ballpark, uh, you know, with that TPE, despite the TPE being 28 and a half, you can only bring in a guy making around 20 short of sending salary out, which is obviously what he acknowledged in trading a Tristan Thompson or something like that versus the off season when they're no longer hard capped and they can maximize the TPE. Right. So that's, you gotta, it, it feels to me like they're going to get, and, and it really is a lot about Kemba Walker. And what we're seeing lately with Kemba is, a guy that's starting to kind of figure out his way back into the rotation and, and really feel more comfortable than before. And that's the one thing I wanted to mention with Chris too, but again, with the interest of time, he has another hit in like five minutes. So we have right. to keep that in mind with Chris, busy guy. Uh, but like with Kemba, you're seeing it lately with his numbers. They're going up in a very positive direction with the exception of last night where I think he was a little, you know, I think everybody was a little weird last night. Jalen was off in the first half, got it going in the second half. Um, you know, he's been a really nice bright spot. I mean, he was – his th- the three-point shot's falling. He's getting in the line a little bit more, which is what I'm focused on. You know, Kevin's got to go to the free-throw line for him to be really successful. The ball's moving a little bit better. He looks like he's in better shape. So, that's one big thing. You get Marcus Smart back, you get your defensive anchor back, you get a little bit of growth from Rob Williams. You just see what you have here. Um, I, I think that's probably the way they're going to go because I, I – I think that when they get into the off season and things are a little bit easier for them to deal and they have more, you know, uh, players on the market to deal for, I think that's, that's going to make life a lot easier for you. And, you know, look, everybody wants to throw out a couple of ideas in the off season and, and, and who might be available. We never know these things. Um, but like, it's just to have a clearer picture and not have the, like the gun to your head, you know, you got to make a deal in two weeks. Like there's a lot of stress and pressure that comes with that. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, Danny's a guy that never like wants to add that extra pick to get it over the goal line. Right. We've seen that over the years. He's very reluctant to do something a little bit extra to get the guy that they well, want. The, the Kyrie Irving deal came down to tacking on a second round pick at the end. Right. So I just, with the way that they've done deals in the past, I, unless it's for somebody very minimal, like they have a, a couple other smaller trade exceptions that they could use. Um, of course, there's always the buyout market too, but you know, I, I don't think the big swing is coming. I really, I really don't, and, and, yeah. and it, it hurts to say um, because I, I would like Danny to swing for the fences here. But again, we don't know exactly where the fences are, so um, well, it's not surprising. Like, I mean, you're here every week, and I assume a lot of our listeners are too. I mean, I've been saying all season 
uh, I didn't think the TP was going to get used till the off season. I, I never thought this thing was going to get used this year. And, and if I'm wrong in the next two, three weeks, obviously we'll see, but I'm certainly doesn't sound like it listening to Danny, listening to Wick. They don't seem to, you know, again, have a pressing need to use it. And I don't, I don't think they are going to use it. I just don't. I think this is an off season thing. I think that they are, you know, they've got what they've got right now. They're hoping it works out. They hope that, you know, the, the Teague that we just saw in terms of aggressiveness is going to be there for the rest of the year. And, you know, Robert Williams, same thing. And a lot of the things that we already talked about, Kemba, like you're saying, and again, to, you know, this is, this is where, uh, again, it's like, it's not revisionist history. This, you go back, listen to the tape, been saying it for weeks. You know, I, I was never worried about Kemba's shot eventually falling. I'm not, you know, Kemba getting back on track as a player was not something that ever concerned me during his, his downstretch there. What concerned me and continues to is just the health of the knee. That's, that's it. That is what concerns me with, you know, with respect to the playoffs and when that approaches, keeping him on the floor and getting him out there for, you know, the, the 33, 35 minutes a game that you're going to need him playing at a high level. And, in, you know, if there's a back-to-back, not that you see those really in the playoffs, but just, you know, his, his health and being in the right frame of mind and not being down on himself and, you know, to, as he has said, moping, sulking, you know, when things aren't going right for him, I want a confident Kemba out there. And as long as he's healthy, I feel good about him. I mean, that's, that's your tradable Kemba Walker, you know, for the people out there that want to do that. It's not the guy that we saw earlier, but the shot was going to fall. Like he's too good a player for the, for him to just all of a sudden suck. That wasn't the worry. You know, the, the worry was his ability to stay on the floor. And at the moment, generally speaking, he's doing that. Yeah. Do you feel, do you feel like he's turned a corner here? Cause everybody seems to be in that particular group think mindset that, that Kemba is finally, you know, in the again, past couple of games, he's really been more aggressive, hunting a shot a little more, shots falling, going to the free throw line. Do you think he's starting to really find that 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 special place that he needs to find on the floor? Only to the degree that that runs exist, right? Like he's gonna have some bad games. That's it's not all of a sudden you're gonna get twenty two and six Kemba every single game or something like that. Like he's he's not Kemba's not he's just not at that point in his career or maybe it's health or maybe it's mindset or, or all the above. I don't think he's going to give you the level of consistency in terms of production that a Tatum or Brown or both are going to give you. I think those guys are just, you know, they're, they're just entering their prime at this point. And Kemba, you know, he's, he's getting toward the end of it. And obviously that has been slowed by injury, but you know, has he turned a corner, maybe more importantly, mentally, I would say, yes. Uh, The question is, does a couple bad games send him back into a funk and reeling or does it have him saying, ah, whatever. Like I've, I've seen this season, what I'm capable of, I'll get back to it. This is just a little blip on the radar. That is something that, that I'm anxious to see how that plays out because that I think is almost more important. Yeah. I think they're, they're not going anywhere. If, if Kemba's not healthy, I mean, you see what happens right. when one of the Jays has that a, forever. Yeah. One of the Jays has a, as an off game and all of a sudden, life gets really difficult because as we've mentioned a million times, they don't have another guy who could put the ball. Like they have a bunch of guys that once they they're in the corner for three and the rotation comes and they up fake and the guy goes by and they take the one dribble after that one dribble, you got nothing. You know, they, just, yeah. they you know, you, had, you saw Grant Williams last night, have a really excellent game and really give them a boost. And without Grant Williams, they don't win that game, you know, mm-hmm. but Grant's, you know, skill set offensively is very limited. I mean, he is a great three point shooter this season. He's still not a fixture in the rotation. Shooting forty four percent from three, I, I I can't quite figure out what you know is holding him back from from being a mainstay there. I just don't really get it. But 
you know, it, Brad's rotations have been kind of awkward all season. Um, you know, Neesmith doesn't play for stretches again. Like, I, I just yeah. – I don't know. Like, I, I, maybe it's what you see in practice. And that's the one thing, as we talked about with, I think, a couple of guys, and Gary, I think, mentioned last show, we're not at practice. We don't see anything this year. Like, we don't see, you know, what, what is transpiring, you know, behind closed doors is to give us an inkling of what might be happening or what's on the horizon for this team. So, you have – there's a bunch of this, this whole season is a giant question mark and to make it full circle here. Like you go all in on a question mark season like this and try and push all your chips into the middle and say, yes, this is what we want to do. Or do you say like, all right, we'll play the long game a little bit longer because the one thing you also have to remember, like the Jays are young. Like, and I don't mean to bring in Steph Curry in this, but like Steph Curry didn't win a championship until he's 26. And I'm not sure. trying to compare these two to Steph and Clay. That's not what's, but you have to keep in mind, that it takes time to win a championship and your window might've looked wide open last year that would have lost anyway to, to LA. We all can probably can concede that right this season. We'll see with Brooklyn and Brooklyn's going to have a nice run here with those three guys, but eventually like those three guys are going to come down a little bit and the Jays will keep ascending. So that's the one thing that that's difficult if you're Danny, but you know, everybody's going to talk about the TP till they're blue in the face and we won't know until the trade deadline's over what the hell is going to happen. But, you know, I would focus more on how Kemba looks, you know, if Jeff T can really play like that, or if he's just, again, you know, going to have a little bit of a, a spurt here, you know, the Robert Williams development is, is crucial the rest of the year and getting guys healthy again, because this team, every team is banged up and it's hard to get a clear picture of any team with all the injuries going around right now. I'm just excited for, let me pull up my, my calendar on my phone here. So the, uh, the NBA trade deadline is, is what, March 25th, I think. Yeah. So, uh, so let's say that, I don't know, maybe, maybe we wait that week. Maybe, uh, so, so maybe our, our show pre trade deadline, I, I'm, I'm not locking anything in, but ballpark, right? Let's say yeah. it's, uh, we, we've been doing a lot of Thursdays. So let's say it's March 18th. So that whole show is going to be who the Celtics are going to use the TPE on going over all the latest rumors and rumblings and everything like that. Yep. And then we'll end up doing the, the post-trade deadline show. Let's call it Friday the 26th. And then it's going to be who are the Celtics going to use the TPE on this offseason. That's, right. that's what I'm anticipating. That's, we're already we're, we're pre-planning, folks. This is yeah. called pre-production. Yeah, see, you normally this stuff is off air, but no, you get to see it happening in real in, time. Right. This is the business, folks. You get to that's see right. it. All the sexy stuff that happens in podcasting and, and developing shows for content. Oh, yeah. This Big show deal. is brought to you again by betonline.ag. Go to betonline.ag today. Use the promo code CLNS50 for a 50% bonus when you sign up. So our thanks to Chris Mannix here, SI. Uh, first time Chris has been on this show in, uh, I think, literally years. So it was awesome. Was he your first back. guest? I think Mannix was your first guest. I think he was He he was definitely my very first guest when I took over the show. What yeah. I'm trying to remember is if he's been on since. Uh, so awesome to have him back, and hopefully we'll uh, do it again sooner than, uh, you know, than later, clearly. Uh, always provides a, a lot of great insight and obviously – not only the local connections, but a, a national analysis as well. And a good time to have him on just a little bit ahead of the trade deadline and at this midpoint of the year in the All-Star break. So we will uh, tell you what is on the horizon, and that is, of course, All-Star Sunday. Remember, everything jam-packed into one day. You got the game in Atlanta. You got the pregame three-point contest, the halftime dunk do contest. E- do either Jalen or Jason have a shot at the three-point contest? Uh, a shot, sure. Will they win? No. What What do you think? Who's going to, you know what? The better question really 
And Jalen was asked this post game last night and wouldn't get into it because he thought he was going to get fined by the league or something. Who do you think is going to win or or do better between the two of them at least out of the six guys? Uh, who uh, who's going to do the best, or which of the Celtics going to do the best? Which of the Celtics? I mean, you got Curry, Tatum. Tatum's. Curry, I'll tell you right now, Tatum's an unbelievable, uh, just like uh, open gym shooter. He is an unbelievable open gym shooter, and if. Yeah. I don't think anybody's beating Curry. If anybody's going to do it, it's probably Booker. But Tatum can I've, – I've been lucky enough to cover the Cs and, and, and see some pregames with CLNS, and when he misses, it's kind of like a shock. Um, so underneath the clock and, and the pressure of other guys, it maybe cracks a little bit. But Tatum can really, really, really shoot. And I think we know all this already, but with nobody in his face – um, and he's standing still. Don't be shocked if he comes close because he can he can really let it fly. I, right, and so Jalen has been an unbelievable shooter this year. And I don't want to yeah. make it sound like we're not. But Jason is an unbelievable open chip shooter. So there are six participants just for funsies because who the hell cares? What are your uh, expectations? I'll say Tatum finishes third and Brown finishes fifth. It's probably accurate. I'll, I'll spice it up. I'll say Jason loses to Curry in like the finals. Okay, I like and, and, it. And Brown, who are the other who are the other guys? It's Booker, Curry, Booker, Levine, right, and uh, <laughs> and and one one other guy. I think Jalen might come in last, but that's not because he's a bad shooter. He's he's a remarkably good shooter this year, um, and the confidence which he lets it fly now is unbelievable. But Jason is an otherworldly shooter. Now I want to look it up just so we don't send our our listeners going to do that same thing. Let's right. see. Hang on, I'm going to tell you. It is Booker, Curry, Jason, Jalen, Levine, and there is one more we're forgetting. Yeah, and it's going to bug us to the point we're where gonna, we're going to get it. This is really good. We're doing it live, folks. Radio or podcasting, yeah. whatever the whatever yeah. the hell. It's the worst. Uh, let's see. They're easy. Mitchell. It might be Mitchell. All right. Well, somebody's going to uh, – Jalen will talk trash to him, so they'll knock him off a little bit. See, that's the thing That's the thing that's, that's happening here, too, is, like, there is – like, I don't know how much Boston can recruit at this point because of their cap situation, but there's, like, this – Yeah, all right. Done. Finalized. Mitchell. Curry, yeah. Brown, Tatum, Levine, Booker, Mitchell. Yeah. There's, like, this, like, under underlying recruitment thing – that always happens during all-star weekend. I mean, the, yeah. the, the famous clip of, uh, of Kyrie and Durant, Durant like, yeah. talking two minute slots, right? Yeah. Who are they talking about? Well, there is like, so there's an opportunity here for some, some backdoor channel stuff going on here. Sure. And in the Brad Beal thing, obviously is an attraction. Um, I can't afford them. Can't afford them. Yeah, I know. Mathematically impossible right, right. now. Right, but just to, just the the Beal thing is always going to be there. Jason's already talked about how much he wants to play with him, like how much fun it's going to be. Um, and Jalen and, and and Donovan Mitchell always always have something, and it, and it was evident in the bubble last year where <laughs> there'd be like some Instagrams where yeah, yeah uh, they were going back and forth. A lot. It was just so fun. it was so fun to watch those two guys interact. So there's there's that going on too. Um, how about those two guys going the two last picks by the way? <laughs> 
Next Celtics game after the All-Star game, you got uh, in Brooklyn Thursday. So here's what we'll do. We will probably come back to you Friday next week after the Seas beat the Nets to start off the second half and uh, then go from there. Look forward to it. Our thanks again to Mannix. He is Evan Valenti. I'm Adam Kaufman. This has been Celtics Beat. Enjoy a little bit of a break, folks. You've earned it. <laughs> 